waves, my waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hey, it's Nancy Aral, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And I'm so excited. Today we have a fabulous guest, and I cannot wait to bring her on and have you guys listen to her information because it's life-changing. But, you know, I always like to start out with the story. And today our story is called, you're going to love this, Live Like You Have an Expiration Date. Here we go. Sit back and relax. We live every day not knowing what our expiration date is. We probably don't attach enough importance to this fact, but we all have one. I found it quite interesting that people seem to go through life with the mindset that they'll forever, that they will live forever in this body. We go about our days doing things and saying things off the cuff. Would you do or say things differently if you knew that it was your last day here on earth? You might change your attitude or think more carefully when speaking to others if you knew that your number was up. If it were your last days on earth, what would you do? Would it change how you live today? Maybe you'd wake up earlier and a bit more cheerful. You might even stay up later and you would definitely tell your family and friends how much you love them. We all at times take take our lives for granted and not realizing what a gift it is to be here in the flesh, to be able to experience life as we do. How fortunate we are to have the ability to smell the aroma of fresh bread baking or to feel warm sand between our toes. All of us get caught up in our daily life with work and school and relationships. We're all focused on our lives and forget to live for today. This could be your last day here on earth. So live every day like it's your last and keep in mind that we all have an expiration date. I'm not suggesting that you dwell on the fact, but at least come to the realization that we are only visiting here. You know, last year I attended a friend's funeral and it was a small service with a fiery minister. He preached about what what is important in life and he reminded us to always have faith and to love each other while we're here. He spoke of how important it is to be kind to people to have integrity, to be honest human beings. He told us that we will eventually die, well, we'll all eventually die, and that we should try to make a difference in another person's life, why we have the opportunity. He reminded us that making a difference in someone else's life is what you'll be rewarded for in heaven. He emphasized that it's not important how much money you have when your life comes to an end or how much stuff you've accumulated along the way. It's what you've done to help your fellow man. And I want to share with you guys a poem that my sister wrote. Uh, She wrote this while she was in the hospital with leukemia. When I read this poem, it reminds me of what's important in life, and it's called Judy's Song. And here we go. I thank God every day for every day I'm here. When sickness attacks your life sometimes, it makes it very clear that every day does matter and every day is good. And small things are important in doing everything you should to make someone happy and pray to the Lord above, that your life will get better and you will do all things with love, that you'll never take for granted the gifts God has given you, 
Be grateful for the small things, wind, sunshine, roses, clouds, and skies of blue. Never forget who made them and let you enjoy them all. When you look at life with great faith at creatures great and small, remember where they came from and how you came to be, and then you will be humble and thankful, just like me. And that's by Judy M. Gibson, uh, February 15th, 1950 to October 15th, 2011. And she's with the Lord. So, here we are today. We have a wonderful guest, you guys. Her name is Patty Conklin. And her book is called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. And let me tell you a little bit about Patty. Well, here's what she says. Here's what Patty says. What if illness like cancer, heart disease, this makes me think of my sister, by the way, mental disorders and Alzheimer's were a choice? What if we could choose to heal them or not to have them at all? And if you need to experience them as a soul, how can you learn to truly accept and be happy? Um, Patty believes that our words have more of an impact on our lives than we realize. They manifest within our bodies. The second they are thought or spoken, storing up over a lifetime through vibrations. These words come with an emotional attachment and can create physical blockages in our energy flow, creating illness or disease. I believe this too. In her book, God Within, The Day God's Train Stop, Patty Coughlin describes how these buildups have occurred, what they mean, and how to break them down and prevent them altogether. Um, Patty is a world-class energy healer, a much-sought-after facilitator who shared her experiences and changed lives at hundreds of workshops, lectures, and conferences throughout the last two decades. She's a frequent keynote speaker and presenter at alternative and allopathic uh, conventions. She's the creator of ColorWorks, a visualization process that uses active vibration within your body to release or heal specific symptoms, emotions, or physical challenge. Welcome to High Road, Patty. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That was a beautiful story, and I am really touched uh, with your sister's words. And uh, I also want to say that I'm just amazed and feel you are just amazing to be able to read it with such love and confidence and, and, um, thanks. It was hard to read. I, it's hard to read because I miss her. I miss her. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. But, but what a, what a blessing. Um, you're giving her by being able to read it without um, choking up because I think I would have been choking up. <laughs> Thanks, Patty. Hey, Patty, can I ask you, and, and I am so excited. I read your book and it was like life changing because it was a lot of things that you speak about completely different than a lot of people do. And I'm just wondering, will you tell everyone um, your story, like what happened to you when you were seven years old? So they kind of understand like where this all came from. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it kind of goes back just a little bit earlier than that. Um, because that's when it really um, solidified to me that that what I was seeing in the world was right. <laughs> Arrogant three-year-old. Um, I was sitting, I walked in the kitchen, and my mother and her best friend were sitting having coffee. And I looked at her best friend, and, you know, we know three-year-olds. I mean, precocious, whatever. Um, they were having coffee, and I looked at her friend, and I literally saw a sperm go into an egg. Oh, my God. And I knew it was a sperm that was going into an egg. And because I was three years old, I jumped up and down, and I went, oh, you're going to have a baby. 
Oh my God. And they started laughing. And then she finally looked at me and said, no, I'm not. And her body shifted, <laughs> excuse me, her body shifted. And she said, no, I'm not. And, and I said, oh, but you're going to die when the baby's born. Oh my goodness. Patty. And my mother knocked me so hard. She knocked me through the kitchen wall. And I remember just coming up with blood on my face, blood on my back, looking at my mother going, what did I say? I just, you know, and, um, but (coughs) nine months later, her best friend was dead. And, um, and that was the moment that I realized, even as a a soon to be four year old, that what I saw in the world was true. Okay. And, and that really, that really held with me. Wow. So I was seven years old. She was very frightened of me. So well, yeah. How was your mom after that? She was frightened the whole. So you you yeah. didn't have a you had a strange relationship. Very or, strange. A, I um, yeah. as soon as I could learn to write, which was early, um, I had to put everything in writing to her. She wouldn't let me speak. And oh uh, my goodness! <laughs> so by seven, I was writing everything. And I was upstairs in my bedroom, and I had this beautiful, and they were drug, um, drug addicts and alcoholics. We lived on welfare and poverty and all that good stuff. And um, I was sitting in my room, and this beautiful white mist uh, came in, and I just fell to my knees. And it wasn't because I was scared. It was because it was the most serene feeling I had ever experienced. Okay. And I heard a male voice. Now I'm not saying creator, source, God, goddess, you know, that there's a gender. But I think that you hear the tone of the uh, voice that you would trust the most. So I heard a male voice. Okay. And it said three things. It said 38 to 42 will be your greatest growth years. 42 to 62 will be your greatest contribution to humanity. And you can come home if you so choose. But the purpose of your walk is to teach people to become insubstantial without transitioning. Now, I was precocious. <laughs> but I had no idea what that meant. Right. <laughs> I, my sons and I still argue about it. You know, I, I, for me, because I see words literally in the body, I, I think it's helping people become unconditionally loving without having to die to do it. My sons think that it's about me washing windows and I haven't done that yet. So (laughs) that God's just sitting up there going, I just wanted her to wash the window. And she has to do it yet. Patty, how old are your sons? So you you were a single mom, weren't you? Yeah, well. I was a single mom too. (laughs) I divorced them. So sorry, I got this little tickle. of course, when they were two and three, okay. and uh, they are 37 and 38 now. Okay. Yeah. I will be 62 in August. Oh, okay. um, so we are actually having conversations about whether I'll die, um, whether I'll stay. You know, oh, stay, Patty. You got so much to give. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, we're having those conversations. But, but they, you know, they. I, I say it a lot, but they raised me. Um, the intro to the intro in my book, um, my sons, I have two biological sons and then I adopted two more. Oh. And uh, as a single mom, traveling, working in 66 countries, it was kind of wild. Um, but they took care of me and, um, and they sat down 
and actually put that intro together and sent it to the publisher. Um, Beautiful, by the way. And yeah, and, and then the publisher sent me the book and I read it. <laughs> I was just sobbing. Oh, I was, I was sobbing. But, you know, they had their they had their times with me because I kind of see things in grayscale. You know, when you're watching television. Yes. Um, and and you and you get the grayscale. That's me. That's you. Tell us more. No I want you to tell us more about your sons and how you see things and how, how you see the colors when we get back from commercial. Sounds um, great. I am so excited to have Patty on the show. And let me give you the name of her book. It's called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymis and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road. And we're here today with Patty Conklin, and she has a wonderful book called God Within, The Day God's Train Stop. But Patty is a healer, and she heals with color. And during the um, commercial break, she was telling me a little bit about um, how she moved out when she was young. And can you give us a little bit of that information and then kind of move forward? Thanks, Patty. Sure. I realized by the time I was 12 that I was beyond my parents' comprehension. And I moved out onto the streets in upstate New York and, um, you know, didn't ever touch a drug, didn't ever touch alcohol, uh, got myself. I lived underneath a huge oak tree and um, and would go, you know, to school every day, doubled up, convinced the uh, superintendent to let me double up because I was a five foot eight blonde. You know, it wasn't. Oh, OK. <laughs> I hide somewhere, you know, and, and be honest. They saw you. <laughs> And, and the gangs were always after me, and, and, you know, that was just not the life I was going to live. So I graduated uh, uh, when I was 16 and uh, headed out in life and married a professor of engineering at Cornell uh, when I was 19. And uh, we had two sons and immediately divorced. I knew that he was just, yeah, he, the, the souls were coming through him, and that was it. Um, so I've been single for 34 years. Um, but... Um, uh, life, life had such an amazing adventure. My, my first major <laughs> job 
was overseeing women's literacy programs in 30 countries throughout Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And of course, they required a PhD, and I had a high school education. But right. um, I was given the job, and I think that God gave me the job um, so that I could see the different cultures and how people spoke and how those words then created disease within that specific culture. And um, so it helped me as life went on so that I could um, see, uh, you know, within the culture what the possible problem was because of how they spoke and how they used their words. And, and you know, one thing that, that my sons and I always had was you can always say anything you need to say with respect. And as long as you say it with respect, um, you're good. And I'm colorblind. Um, I see particles. When you're looking at the television and the television goes out um, and you get the grayscale, that's my world. So I, can't, I have no depth perception. Um, when I'm driving a car, if you were the car ahead of me, I would tap into your body and I would know that you were going to make a left-hand turn before your, your consciousness even knew you were going to take a left-hand turn. Oh, wow. I, <laughs> but my son, <laughs> in learning how to say things lovingly, I'd get ready to go do a TV show or something like that, and I'd walk out of my bedroom, and the four boys would be sitting there, and they're like, oh, Mama, you're beautiful. And I knew I dressed okay. If I walked out, and they're like, oh, Mama, you're so pretty. I'm like, I match. I match. I, I match. So, <laughs> oh, you know. your colors were coordinated. Yeah, and then there'd be a fight, and then the boys, I dressed her last week. No, I dressed her. And so one of them would finally get up and go to my closet and pick out an outfit for me uh, uh, to wear. So even though they were they were telling me I did not look nice, um, they were still telling me I was pretty. So, you know, <laughs> they understood their words. Um, but life became this journey, and my sister was very resentful of it, and, and she used to tell me that I could fall into a barrel of S-H-I-T. And, and still come out okay. <laughs> come out okay. And I looked at her, and I said, that's because it was never that. It was always an adventure. It was like, what can I do next? What can I do next? What can I do next? How can I figure out how to get out of this situation? You know, I'm stuck in, you know, I'm stuck in Siberia. How do I get out of here? Um so, you know, I think that, that life for me just became this um, inquisitive adventure, but more importantly, watching people and watching as they went through their disease process, watching, you know, getting the phone calls of the people saying, you know, the doctors have given me six months to live, you're my last hope, and 80% of them having to say, your doctors are correct. You are going to pass in the next six months. So, so now, how can I help you be at peace with that? Okay. So let me that was, can I interject here a second? Because I read your book and I understand what you do, but I don't think that the audience understands how you. So what you're saying is, and, and maybe you can go into a little more um, in depth about it, but huh? people come to you that are ill and you clear using color. But if they come to you and it's their time to go, you tell them it's your time to go and you help them through that process. Is yes. that proper? Is that right? There's, there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes the doctor will call me from Turkey and okay. say, I have a client here. All the scans are clear. Blood work's clear. But we, we know we have a serious problem. We just can't find it. My site is six weeks ahead of traditional medicine, and I'm 96% accurate. So doctors are pretty willing to work with me if they can't figure something out. Yeah. Or 
just an average person who heard my name will call the office and want help. So there's two ways of doing that. Um, color is their homework. There's okay. two active frequencies in the world, and it's color and it's tone. So when I'm working with somebody, I'm actually, <laughs> just doesn't look good on a business card, I'm actually a vibrational manipulator. Um, because my world is particles, uh, quantum quantum physics and particle theory, mm -hmm. that's my world. So when I see the body, I'm looking at you in particles. I can't see your face. I don't know what you're wearing. I, I see nothing other than a particle. And so I can start manipulating using my, my vibration, manipulating your particles. Sometimes I can pull the disease right out of you. And especially if God tells me to pull it out, then it's a given. It comes out, it goes into my body. I have uh, 48 hours of, of vomiting, diarrhea, to be honest, um, oh to then get rid of their disease and get on with my next client. Um, and then sometimes it's a matter of, okay, you've got frustration stored in your right kidney, so I need you to use ColorWorks, which is what I developed, and um, say to your body, what color do I need to remove you know, resentment from my right kidney? And it's a 10-minute exercise, and they do it every day. It's amazing how quickly um, people start feeling better. Okay. So it's kind of remembering that every word you've ever spoken stored. And behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy, so on and so forth are, are wonderful because they help us understand the behavior that needs to change. The problem is, is that it doesn't change it within the cells. It changes it cognitively, but not within the cells. So when we look at people that reoccur with cancer and different diseases, the question always is, why does it reoccur? It reoccurs because you didn't get the blockage, the emotion out of the cells. Now, when you work with people, so what you're saying is you help, you say, okay, I see your blockage, you work with it, you clear it with color, then you give them an exercise that they do every day. That's right. Okay. And they do that for 30 days, and then they go into their body and say, what's the next emotion? Because we're all filled with emotions. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so, you know, we have a lifetime to clear out. So you kind of look at it um, of... You store an emotion, maybe you're two years old and you have your first temper tantrum and you have a cold, so you store it in your lungs. So all of a sudden you have lung issues, you have asthma, whatever, the rest of your life, because every time you feel you know, anger or frustration, it stores there. Um, but but the, the point is, is that it will go into the weakest part of the body at the given time that you experience it. So once it goes into a specific area of the body, it will forever go there. It won't go someplace else. So you finally get a point where you get the straw that broke the camel's back. You've had the behavior long enough, the emotion long enough, you've stored it in the same place long enough, the body can't hold all of that, and disease begins. So this is God's way of saying, okay, change your behavior, or Absolutely. You're, you're done, you're done. <laughs> you know, in metaphysics, we talk about the fact that you know, we're body, mind, and spirit, and spirit being the most important, and then your mind being the second most important, and your body being the temple that houses, houses those two. 
I look at it totally differently. I think spirit is the most important, but I think the body is the second most important because the body is the vehicle in which spirit speaks. And your mind is the least important because it allows you to go into fear. Because think about it, you know, you're not feeling good. You go to the doctor and the doctor starts telling you everything that could be wrong with you. The first thing you do is you go home and you Google it. And and the thing that scares you the most, you create it, you create because yeah. because now you're afraid. So, yeah. you know, a woman may call and say, you know, I found a lump in my breast this morning. Is it cancer? And my response will be, well, do you want it to be? I mean, I know the power of the word right. and the trust that people have in me. And so if I say, wow, yeah, looks looks kind of bad in there. Um, if they didn't have cancer before they called they'll have cancer when they hang up. Gosh, that's crazy. It happens that fast. And it, it does. It manifests that quickly. It does. Uh, yeah. And you talk about, um, you know, you have this wonderful story that you talk about with somebody spits in your face. It's how you handle it. I love that analogy. Can you tell that real quick? Yeah. Cause I just, cause well, you know why? Cause it makes so much sense. But if you wouldn't mind, please Patty. No, no problem at all. My girlfriend and I always have this conversation, and she's like, if you're walking down the street and a man walks up to you and spits at you in the face, are you telling me you're not going to get angry? And I mean, and I'm like, angry? And she's like, a huge clam. He just like, it's gross, and it's in your face. And I'm like, well, why would I get angry? Because number one, the anger isn't going into his body. I'm speaking the word. The anger is going into my body. I could look at him <laughs> and say, thank you, didn't get a chance to take a shower this morning. I can say, thank you, you know, hope that makes you feel better. Um, but getting angry is only going to hurt me. But I have choices. When I see that guy walking down the street again, you bet I'm going to cross the street before he gets to me again. <laughs> All right. I, so, so, so it's understanding that life is meaningless. And I, and I really mean this, and I really want people to hear it. Life is meaningless. When we were given life, we were not given meaning to life. And so every event from moment to moment, you have the choice of how you're going to feel about it. And so if you understand that there's no one walking this earth that can make you feel anger, there is no one walking this earth that can make you feel love. Those are emotions that you choose to the event. And because you choose them, you then have the capability to go back to past events in your life and change how you feel about it. Now, the event doesn't change, right? I mean, that's going to stay the same. But what you do is you you look at the event and you say, what did I learn from that trauma? What did I learn from that uncomfortable event? Okay. And then all of a sudden your focus becomes positive. Wow, I learned to stand up for myself. Wow, I learned that that I am smart. You know, there's all sorts of things that you can come up with. So now you've got the same event, but you have a different emotion. Of You're this. saying change the mindset, change how you look at things. Find find the positive. Right. Okay. And if we could all do that, because what we're doing is we're hurting ourselves by our perceptions and by our words and our thoughts. We're hurting our, we're hurting ourselves. Our body doesn't know when we're not, you know, if I walk up to, we'll be right back. 
We will be right back on High Road to Humanity, but make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. traditions vary around the world. Citizens of Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve and listen to the national piece of Christmas radio broadcast. Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log cake. And in Greece, many people believe in goblins that cause mischief during the 12 days of Christmas. Captain John Smith drank the first eggnog in his 1607 Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of summer, jingbangs or crowds of Aussies celebrate at the beach with beer and Skittles. This is the time each year where we have to climb up to the sky parlor or attic to fetch our Christmas lights. What's the word for decorating till we're about to collapse? Flip-floppus. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, we are on High Road to Humanity today, and we've got Patty Coughlin. And Patty, where can everybody get your book? It's called God Within the Day. God's train stopped. Where can and then how can they reach you? How can they get in contact with you? They can um, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, your local bookstore. Um, it's on our shop uh, on our website, which is uh, pattyconklin.com, and Patty's with an I, um, and so that's P A T T I C O N K L I N. And they can always call Sandra at the office at four zero four four seven four zero zero eight six. So they can get. Um, CDs, the book, <laughs> so forth, on uh, any of the um, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and and a lot of them are in local bookstores. Okay, cool. I just loved your book, and it was. We were talking during the break, and you tell a lot of stories in your book because you've had you've healed. How many people do you think you've healed over the years? I mean, honestly. In in sixty six countries in the last twenty four years, um, about a hundred thousand is what we've been wow. able to to. Um, kind of calculate together. I, I fly 100,000 miles a year. Um, last year was the first year that I chose not to fly. Um, although I, I broke the promise in December, I, I went on a 21-day cruise. So I flew down. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good for you. I, I slept the whole time, never got off the ship. Um, but um, I have flown close to 3 million miles um, oh working with people. That's wonderful. It's so wonderful to hear. You know, and I was telling you at the break, um, you know, you give a different perception than what, and I guess I'm a little confused, so I want you to straighten me out and kind of help our audience understand. When you talk about God and you talk about um, what happens, what heaven's like, can you, you talk about it differently, I guess, than what I've always heard. I mean, there's a lot of mediums out there who who say they talk to people after they die. Can you kind of give your perception of this? Because it's a little bit different than what I've been told or heard. It's a little bit different, and not a lot of people like my, my version of it. But it's my version, and I'll stick to it. That's um, okay. It, um, so when someone dies, um, what, they, what their core belief is is what appears 
when they die. Um, and so I remember the first first person I ever sat with was a seven year old little girl. Um, and her parents were alcoholics and, and, uh, she was dying of cystic fibrosis and I held her in my arms and she had never, you know, read the Bible or, you know, been told about, uh, heaven or anything like that. She loved Winnie the Pooh. So I see Winnie the Pooh and then I talked to her about Jesus coming to get her. And, um, and so I held her through that long night she finally died in my arms and Jesus appeared, um, and, and was there to take her. Years later, I was with a man who called and he said, I'm dying of HIV and uh, congestive heart failure. And I heard you on a radio show 10 years ago um, and driving in the middle of the night. And I saved your name and phone number because I knew that when I was ready to die, you would be the only one who would sit with me without judgment. And I laughed and I said, why would I judge you? And he said, I'm a Satanist. I'm an avowed Satanist. And I, I laughed and I said, well, you know, kind of Christian Buddhist, but I mean, you know, it's all good. Yeah. And so, um, so I sat with him and, and, um, he was a great guy, absolutely great guy. Um, but when he died, his version of Satan is what appeared. And, and I'll tell you, I just oh. had like black ink all over me and, and, uh, was very thankful that I had the level of belief that I had. So, so when you die, what you core, what you core believe family is going to be there, whatever is there. <clears throat> and you kind of go into this in between space until you're ready for your next, your next sojourn journey. The thing with mediums is this, you can't, uh, no one is totally clear. And so if you're getting information from what you perceive, to be someone from the other side. It has to filter through your life history in oh. order for you to express it. And so and so if they have a total life different life history, you still filter it through you. So you can never be accurate. When you're picking up information from people, you're typically picking it up off of the energetic emotions of the loved one who you're sitting across from. Not from the person. But can you, can, let me ask you a question. Can uh -huh. you, so can you talk to a deceased loved one? You're saying yes, but it's filtered through the medium. So it's it not, may or may not be getting, exactly. you may or may not be getting the correct answer or response that you I, think you're getting. I would okay. say, I would say 80% of the time you're not getting accurate response because the thing is this, and, and let me, let me be clear. Okay. When you pass, you are in a complete state of serenity. You don't hold judgment. You don't hold anger. So when you get a medium saying, wow, you know, your son is still really angry at, you know, his dad for doing this and this, that is just complete bull crap. It's gotcha. just complete bull crap. When you leave the physical form, your soul is pure. And when you leave the physical form, you go back to the pure pureness of your soul. And, and so the information of, you know, your, your son's still anger, it is, you know, father, whatever, is actually what the medium is picking up off of you and okay. your beliefs and perceptions. Now, have you seen angels? What do you think about angels? <laughs> so, you know, the difference between angels and guides are this. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> guides, guides have been in human form 
and and have evolved to be able to go back and stay on the other side. They have a sense of humor. They're wicked. <laughs> they will just make you laugh so hard. Um, angels are very um, robotic. Um, they've never taken human form, so they don't understand human um, human you know human humor. Um, and so angels will be very stoic, very okay. stoic, um, very serene, but stoic. Now, do you believe we all have a guardian angel? I think that um, I don't believe that I have one, um, but I think that uh, people have um, perceptions that guardian angels are there to save us in times of trouble. I don't agree with that uh, premise. I believe that we have, um, guard, if, if we want to call them guardian angels, <clears throat> that they're the energetic connection to keep us connected to source. Okay, because, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, to kind of be that midway point um, to help us. I think that, you know, I, I don't believe that God or source or, you know, whatever we want to call it, um, sits sits up there going, well, gee, you know, five people prayed for you, but 10 people prayed for Susie. So I'm going to heal Susie because not enough people prayed for you. I mean, it, it doesn't make logical sense. And I think that, you know, when we're in a car accident or something happens to us, um, it's not because God didn't love us or our angels didn't get in there, we are into another learning lesson. Yeah, and tell that story. I read it in your book, about, and it was your, was it your son that talked to you when he was little and told you he had been in a car accident because you weren't ready for him uh, or something. Would you tell that story? That's so cool. That was freaky because um, I had made up my mind about past lives at, at that stage. He was 14 months old. And I say he's pre-verbal, and people, you know, what is that? Well, at 14 months old, uh, he spoke full sentences. At the time he was two, he already had a 10-year-old comprehension level. So, so he was very advanced in his language ability. And he was okay. cleaning off the table. And he said, um, you know, and I said, you've cleaned off the table. Great, Dan, you know. And he looked at me and he said, but my other mommy always used to let me clean off the table as much as I wanted. And I looked at him and I said, what other mommy? And he laid the sponge down and he looked me straight in the eye. 14 months old, he says, obviously, I need to explain something to you. <laughs> now, his father was an atheist. We didn't have a radio. We didn't have a TV. I never left him with anyone. He was just mine, and I did not talk about God. He said, okay. it took God a little bit of time to get you and Daddy ready for me. So he gave me another mom and dad to live with. Now, it took me five years to conceive. Okay. And so um, I said, what do you remember? And he said, I don't remember, my, <coughs> don't remember my dad very much, but I remember my mom, and I can still feel her hugs. And I said, what happened? And he said, I was nine years old and got hit by a car. It didn't hurt. But you and Daddy were ready for me, and and it just blew me away. And that's what made you realize, yeah, that that there had to be something more than than <clears throat> one existence. Um, but Dan's always been the one, um, you know, Andrew Harvey, who writes a lot of books on Mother Magda Magdalene and and um, Mother Mary. Um, he and I were having dinner one night and Dan was with me and he was uh, nine years old and he asked to speak to Andrew by himself. 
And uh, they went off to talk. We're in Virginia Beach, and we're on the way home the next day. And, and I said, do you want to share what you guys talked about last night? And he's like, no, not really. And so I drive another 100 miles, and I'm like, throw me a bone, please. <laughs> Come on. And yeah. he's like, well, I wanted to ask him if he thought that maybe God had a father. And I said, why would you ask that? <laughs> and he said, souls seem to be so panicked. This is a young child. Souls seem to be so panicked, and I keep seeing a blue light coming closer to earth. And I'm beginning to think that God has a father, and his father is coming closer, and he's not happy with how we have developed as human beings. And he actually wrote a book um, called The Last, the Last Being, um, where God... Um, uh, looked at two worlds that he had created and said, I screwed up both of you. So you girl, I'm picking you and I'm going to obliterate this planet and you get to go to the next planet and you get to pick one person that you think is worthy of survival. Oh my and, um, and, and so when the time came, she said, and God said, you know, who's the human that you deserve worthy, uh, feel worthy. She said, you, and, and, and it was, it was mind blowing. Um, the wow. questions that he would come up with um, because he just had, uh, because he was pre-verbal, he had memories of what was taking place before he came into body. And you, and you feel that he knew that God's given us an opportunity. What's your perception of it? Do you think God's given us a chance to try to get our act together here and try to raise the vibration? Because that's I what so. I think. Yeah. I, so I think so. I think that that we're being given a chance, whether it's God's Father showing. But astronomers have said that there is a blue mist out in the galaxy that's getting closer. And and because I researched it as soon as I heard it. And every once in a while, he would just come up with these very deep things. And it was it was kind of scary when he was little and I was on the lecture circuit because I didn't take my boys with me and I didn't talk about them. Um, but I had a cult group um, come up to me at one convention and said, your son Daniel is the reincarnation of Enoch. And Enoch ah. was Noah's grandfather and also the one who was purported to be the first one who developed language. And and uh, that's why his speaking was so wonderful. Yeah. And they were threatening that he would die at 19 if he didn't become part of them. But what's weird is he's never gone to to conferences with me. And yet I've had at least 10 people come up and tell me independently that he is the reincarnation of Enoch. That's Absolutely crazy. Hey, we will talk more with Patty when we come back. Her book is called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. And um, thanks again for tuning in. We'll be right back with The High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to sign up for her intuitive personal coaching program or to book a psychic reading. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. 
Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's Marching had a weird weekend relaxing and reading through mental floss when I came across these rip-roaring R-words. I recognized a few of them, such as the old 18th century Scottish word ramfeasled, which means fatigued or exhausted. A couple more great R-words are ruckatly tuckatly, meaning crumpled or gathered up and ruched. Rouge is commonly used today to describe a flattering blouse or top. Rabbity is a 16th century word for an innocent fool, while Raffle Coppin is a rash, impetuous person, or maybe just somebody that gets carried away with our words. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road. And I'm going to promote myself a little bit here. Hey, you guys, if you need a, a, a reading or if you're interested in some spiritual intuitive coaching that I do, you can visit my website. It's nancyyearout.com. It's N-A-N-C-Y. Y-E-A-R-O-U-T dot com and you can sign up or if you want me to come and speak at your event, I'd be happy to do that. We're here today with Patty and I am so excited. She's telling us such cool stuff. Um, Patty, talk to us, like what can the average person do? You know, I read your book about the color work through the chapter on color works and cellular cleansing and I'm wondering if um, maybe you can give us some tips that people can do on their own, you know, at home to help themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for asking color works is a great way or tone works um, which is just listening to music um, my son Matt who was executive director for 14 years you know kept saying we have to do a tone work you know because tone is active and we sat for three days listening to music and all of a sudden this music came on and we both just cringed and went that is the worst music in the world and that's the one that has to be tone works and it's our highest selling CD. It sells all over the world. <laughs> I just, I cringe when I listen to it. Um, but what so, does it do? So if you put on the so, CD, how does it, how does it so help? What it does is when you bring color up through the bottom of your feet, up your body, you always start at the bottom, up, same with color or same with tone. What it does is it shakes. When you ask your body, what, what color do I need to remove resentment from my right kidney, okay? Ask your body. Your body's linear. It needs to know exactly. You can't just say, what do I need to heal? Your body's going to say, where do I start? Okay. So you give it a specific direction, and you listen to the music. You breathe in through your nose. You bring the color in through the bottom of the feet, straight up your body. And what it's literally doing, Nancy, is it's shaking it's shaking the cells and it's shaking the emotion out of the cells. And you know you've had a really good session if you're running a low-grade fever. If you start vomiting, um, your toxins are coming out. 
And so it can literally shake the cells. And um, whether you're doing color, whether you're doing tone, if you're not getting any reaction, then that means the body didn't understand the question. Rephrase the question. If if you're not getting any reaction after three days or so. Um, I've had women with MS walking with cane who just did one 10-minute session and was able to put the cane down and never use it again. So when the body understands what you're asking it to do and you use color or tone and just listen to the instructions, bring it up through the bottom of your feet, up your mouth, you know, out through your mouth or out through the top of your head, then it's literally shaking the emotions that you stored out of the cell and getting it out of your body. And that's clearing up your energy field. So when it comes out, it goes to the light. It goes up to heaven and it's dissolved that way. It doesn't even go up to heaven. It just comes out of your body. That's it. it. It's it's a tangible, it's a tangible aspect. And so people say, you know, when I first started 25 years ago, people would say, so people come to you and they feel worse when they leave than when they came to see you. Well, yeah, because they're releasing toxins. Um, The cellular is something that, that, gets to the same point, but it takes 50 to 70% of the gunk out at one time. And that's you and I working for a full day. And that's me literally pulling the gunk out of you, taking it into my body and processing it and, and, and relieving it through vomiting or diarrhea. And then it's out of your body completely. The most important thing to do for this day, right this moment on, Pay attention to your words. If you get up in the morning and your partner says, how you feeling? And you go, wow, I had an awful night's sleep and my back really hurts. Your body goes, okay, all right, I can make your back hurt. Just say, you know, thanks for asking. In 10 minutes, I'm going to feel terrific. And so so be careful on how the phraseology of your words. Um, I want you to always be honest. I never want you to invalidate how you feel. I don't want you to ignore it. I don't want you to go into denial. However, how you phrase it can be put in a, in a positive uh, format so that your body understands what you want to get rid of. If you're talking to a counselor and you're, you're working through some stuff, say, in the past, I felt this way. And then your body understands that you're talking about the past not current because you don't whatever say you say you're creating inside your body exactly so when you're in therapy you're just recreating the whole thing all over again um because your body doesn't know you're talking about the past so, Patty, why don't people know this stuff? Why, if this has been around, which it has, by the way, we know this, why don't we get this? Why is it taking so long? Why are people, I know you don't have all the answers to the questions, but <laughs> the thing is, it's like, come on, if we know this, and I write about this in my book too, Wake Up, the Universe is Speaking to You, Pay Attention to Your Words. I mean, Jesus talked about it in the Bible. He yeah, talked cool. about the spoken word. Why don't we get this? Why is it just we're such a, uh, uh, materialistic uh... We're materialistic we're lazy it's a lot easier to be negative think about it think about it nancy it can take a year to build a high-rise two years to build a high-rise and 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 we can blow it up in 30 minutes 
And so it's easier to be negative than to be positive because sometimes you feel like there isn't something positive, but there's always something positive. And so, yeah, it takes more work to find the positive that's going on in your life than the negative. And so I think people just get lazy or they're used to the gossiping or they're used to, you know, just the negativity instead of saying, no, you know what? So this is, this is how I work at Nancy. Every night I look myself in the mirror and I say, did I live my life today in integrity and in my honesty? Mm-hmm. And if I can say yes to those two things, then I know I did everything I could to make it a good day. Right. And uh, even when I'm working with somebody who I know is going to pass, um, you know, the, the gentleman that passed last week, you know, his wife was just devastated. And, you know, we finally got him off all the tubes and everything. And, and uh, I had her crawl in bed. And, and she's like, you know, he's in a coma. And I said, it doesn't matter. Start telling him funny stories. I want you to start telling him about your wedding day and funny days and funny things you did to him and funny things he did to you. And you allow him to leave with funny stories on your mind because that's what you're going to remember. So I think it's just important for people to to understand that, you know, the words we don't. For so many years, we haven't understood the consequences of the spoken word on the human body. Now it's everywhere. You know, now we see it even in pharmaceutical ads on on television. You know, you're. Can I ask you a question? I hate to interrupt you, but can I ask? I just thought of something. Is that why cancer is so prevalent now? Because we've gotten worse? No. Um, There has to be a check out of the body. I mean, you've got to remember every breath you take, you're dying. And, 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 you know, that's hard to, to. think of at times, but every breath you take, you're dying. The soul has a path. It it has different, it's got different gigs and we've become so good at keeping people alive that the soul moves on and there has to be a way to shut the body down. So in some ways we have phenomenal medicine and in other ways we're keeping people in their physical form way too long and their, their soul is already left. And so and so there has to be a way to shut down the, the human form because the soul does have um, a schedule and and it may need to move on to its next uh, path. Just like son Daniel said uh, when he was a child, he got hit by a car because I was ready for him. Um, so I think we, we need to remember that, that, you know, modern science and medicine is beautiful, but we've learned how to keep people alive too long. I see. So I'm going to get a little in depth here. So if somebody's been kept alive too long, maybe they had a heart attack and we brought them back. So then you say the soul can soul moves on. Well, how is the body still here if the soul has moved on? That's confusing to me. (laughs) The body is functioning on on uh, automatic responses. You know, your brain waves are still working. Your body's still working. It's working on memory. Um, and you may find people get angrier, you know, like if they, if they have a heart attack or, or Alzheimer's, you'll, you'll see them get a lot angrier. Um, and a lot of times it's because the, the soul has left. I mean, you may have a heart attack and the soul is still there, but you know, if you're ventilated for five days and you come back and you're struggling and you know, they're giving you medicine after medicine and after medicine to keep alive, it's time for family to truly look in the eyes of their loved one. Okay. And if there's and if the eyes are dead, 
I mean, if there's nobody home, if there's no sparkle, there's no brightness, there's no nothing, the soul has moved on and it's time for the family to let go. And that's the hardest part, honestly. It's just, it's devastating to families to let go, but the soul is on to its next program and it's having a great time. And, and, <laughs> and crazy. so, you know, death is, is something that is a human condition that we have such a hard time with. And, and I have to say, you know, I sit with 30, 40 people a year who want me there at their passing. And, um, and I still get hate mail from their family. How is that even possible? What a wonderful thing you do for people. My goodness. How could you even, how could they even possibly send you hate mail? They can, they can send me hate mail saying, okay, you pulled out her cystic fibrosis and let her die of congestive heart failure. Well, I pulled out her cystic fibrosis because she was terrified of drowning in her own fluids. And father told me it was okay to pull out the cystic fibrosis and let her go with congestive heart failure. That was her wish. That was her wish. wish. And her mother, it's been 15 years. Her mother still writes me every six months. (gasps) So I have a file of people who say, you know, you saved my life. Thank you so much. And I love you. And I have a file of, I hate your guts and your pure satanic and so on. And so when I get either one of a letter, I open up both files and I read through it because I understand the balance that has to be kept. Um, practitioners have to keep working on themselves. Um, you know, if a practitioner tells you that, that they're top notch and they've learned everything they've needed to learn, um, you need to leave their workshop. Okay. Um, all of us have to, if I get upset about something, it's hard when I'm dating. If, if I tell a guy, Okay, if I get angry, I'll get angry for one minute because I can't sustain anger. So if I get two one-minute angers, we're done. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's it. And they get the second anger, and they're like, what? What? We, we, we just we didn't even fight. I'm like, oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> Patty, I'm going to have to have you back because uh, there's more questions I have to ask you here on the high road. I mean, I just have to thank you so much for thank coming you. on our show today. We've only got a, a minute left, but tell people um, how to get in touch with you real quick. Uh, PattyConklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N.com. There's Radio Archives, The Real Edge Podcast with Dr. Roy Martina, uh, where we talk about edgy edgy topics, and, um, and 360 Degrees of Wellness with Dr. Vanessa Hall. Hey, you guys, join me next week on the high road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know when you stay on the high road, you make it to your destination. Visit my website at nancyyearout.com where you can sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading. If you have any questions, please email me at nancyyearout at gmail.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T at gmail.com. This is Nancy Yearout lighting the way to your high road to success. Right now, I'm switching to a new lane. Foot to the floor, man, searching for the real thing. Somebody else sometimes ain't no shame. Head to the clouds, ain't. It's like